About a month or so ago, I was doing some work at a local Starbucks. For those of you that live in the area, it's a Starbucks over by the Beachmont Racket Club off Ohio Pike. And I was in there just doing some study, and a pastor friend of mine walked in. He pastors Zion Lutheran Church here in the area. His name is Jason. And I had not seen him in probably over a year. And uh, so we, we talked, we hugged, and we just got talking, and we kind of talked about just COVID and what it's like to pastor during a pandemic, if you will. And I was asking him about his congregation and all the different things that he went up against and had to navigate over the past year or so. And, and he told me about an article that he read in the USA Today, and it described the top two emotions that Americans in our culture right now are struggling with. Anybody want to take a guess of what you think those top two are? What do you think? Fear, well, anxiety, anger, yeah. Fear and anger were the top two. We see that, right? Don't you see that in our culture? Don't you feel that? I mean, personally, don't you at times feel angry for whatever reason? Don't at times you feel fear? We see examples of it all throughout. Right? You have, obviously, the fear of getting COVID, you have the fear of potentially losing your job if you maybe refuse to get a vaccine. You maybe have even a fear of being around those who don't have the vaccine. There's all kinds of fears. Maybe you have a fear of not fitting in at school or a fear that people aren't gonna like you. Parents often will parent out of fear and so we have maybe one extreme of parenting where I, I'm afraid I don't want my kids to miss out, so we, they're involved in everything. And then you have another parenting extreme out of fear, kind of like more of a prison camp kind of fear where my, I don't want my kids doing anything, right, kind of a thing. So you have, sometimes we parent out of fear. We all experience it. Even this week, one of our boys applied for a job that I really think would be great for him. I mean, I just think it'd be awesome. And so the dad heart in me began to kind of well up a little bit, and I'm driving around this week, and I began to feel fearful. Like, if he doesn't get this, what's going to happen? Like, what? I, I think God, he really needs this. And I started to feel this fear, right? And, I was, and it, like, hit me. I'm like, why am I so afraid? Like, if he doesn't, what? and I start to felt that, or, or start, start to feel that. You all have been there, right? Feeling this, that queasy, uneasy feeling in, in the pit of your stomach. Or maybe you wake up in the middle of the night with a fear. Maybe it's a fear that keeps you up at night. I want us to take a moment, and you're probably sitting next to a person or people that love you more than anyone else in this room. And I want you to just take a moment and share, what, what are you afraid of? What, what are your fears this morning? And I'm not talking about the fear of snakes or the fear of spiders or bugs or fear of heights or public speaking, right? That's, not the, that's what I'm talking about. So that, you don't get to use any of those, all right? But when you kind of peel your heart a little bit and get to the core of it, what's, what are you afraid of? Take a moment right where you sit. Share a little bit.
So what is your fear? Maybe right now some of you are afraid I'm going to call on you to share publicly what you shared in your group. I'm not going to do that. So you can rest easy. Fear, we all struggle with it, right? Even as followers of Jesus, we, we're in this journey of what's called sanctification, right? Where we're still growing in likeness to Christ. And so even though we feel a fear and we struggle with fear, is it just okay? Is it just something that we should just accept as part of life, as part of following Jesus? We all fear it, your neighbors, your coworkers, the person who sits next to you in class, or the person to the right of you on the screen on the Zoom call for work. Everyone's afraid. Everyone struggles with fear. But specifically, I want to talk to us as a church, as the, the church, as church is. Is it okay for us as followers of Jesus to just acknowledge that, hey, I'm fearful. It's just part of life. This morning, we're going to answer that question. We're going to answer that question by looking at the Apostle Paul's final letter, the last letter he ever wrote. And it was written to a young man named Timothy, a young man whom Paul loved dearly, like his own son. And Paul makes a, a statement to Timothy that helps us answer some of these questions about fear. And it's in 2 Timothy chapter 1, specifically verse 7. Now, I'm not sure how much we're going to get covered today, so this is probably a two- or three-parter, all right, just so you know on the front end. I'm not really sure how much we're going to get through, and it could be a six-, seven-part. I don't know, all right? The more I got digging into this, I'm like, holy cow, this is so good and so helpful. So we're just going to roll with it and just see where we go, all right? And, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on kind of the background to the letter. Jeremy spoke, taught a couple weeks ago, really kind of unpacked the first six verses or so of, of this letter. He did a good job of that. And you can listen to his message on our, on our website. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. Where I want us to really drill in is on verse 7. But to help us get a little bit of context, let's begin by looking at verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. Man, that's so good, that phrase. The promise of life that's in Christ. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, like a parent praying for their kids. Paul prayed for Timothy night and day. He had that kind of relationship with them. In verse 4, he says, As I remember your tears, most likely, and Paul's writing this from a prison, and so he's referring back to the last time he saw Timothy, and probably he thought, they both thought, we may not even see each other again. And so there were tears shed as they said their goodbyes, and Paul's remembering this. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. And I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and her mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. 
For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Why? For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. For God did not give us a spirit of fear. That's where we want to drill down on. Now, to, to help us kind of understand what Paul is meaning here in this statement that he makes to Timothy, I, I kind of want to give us a little over, uh, an, of an overview about fear as we read about it in Scripture. Fear, as you read about it in Scripture, in the Bible, can really be category, uh, can put, be put into two categories. Right? The first is fear of God, fear of the Lord. You'll read that over and over throughout the Scripture. Right? So you have the fear of God, the fear of the Lord. The second category is really any fear that is not the fear of the Lord. All right, so primarily two categories of fear that you're going to read in Scripture. And Jesus kind of teaches this. And go with me to the, to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 10. Matthew 10, because I, I want you to see Jesus' teaching here and how he kind of talks about these two categories of fear. Matthew chapter 10, verse 26 through 31. Jesus is teaching, he's teaching his disciples, and he says, so have no fear of them. And the them he's talking about are people who would persecute you because you follow Jesus. So he says, don't have fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, rather fear him, fear God, who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? But even the hairs of your head are all numbered, so fear not. Don't fear. Don't be afraid. Therefore, you, have, you are of more value than many sparrows. Jesus kind of makes two categories of fear, a good fear and a bad fear. And he starts with the bad fear. So have no fear of them. You shouldn't be afraid. There's a category of fear that you shouldn't have. But then he keeps going and he says, but there's a fear you should have. There's a bad fear and a good fear. And the good fear is the fear of God, the fear of the Lord. And so you can categorize fear in the sense as we see Jesus teaching and then all throughout Scripture, there's the first category, which is the good fear, the fear of the Lord. And then there's this bad fear, which is any fear that is not the fear of the Lord. And so let's kind of drill down a little bit more on the fear of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. Go there. We're going to do a lot of looking at Scripture today. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. This may be familiar for some of you. Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, begins this treatise of Proverbs. And he says in verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's a good thing. So there's this fear of God that brings knowledge. And then Solomon, who also wrote Ecclesiastes, said this in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. He says this in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 7. For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. But God is the one you must fear. So again, fear of the Lord brings knowledge. He's saying you need to fear God. Then another passage where we see this fear of the Lord is Acts chapter 9, the very first century church, first century followers of Jesus. Acts chapter 9, verse 31. 
So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. So that's a good thing, walking in the fear of the Lord, the fear of God. You need to fear God. You need to walk in the fear of the Lord. Well, what's that mean? What is the fear of the Lord? At its very core, it means to have a reverence or a respect for God and who he is. And we sing the song, my God is so big, so strong. And so that's what we're talking about. Understanding how powerful and big and mighty God is and who he is and what he can do and what he does and what he's going to do and how he's holy and majestic and beautiful and breathtaking. And there's a sense of that he's, he's, he's other. He, he's deserving of this awe, A-W-E, like having an awe of who God is, which brings a reverence and respect for who he is. When we lived in Ireland, when we were there for two and a half years as missionaries, uh, we lived on the east coast, Dublin, and on the west coast in Galway, there are the Cliffs of Moher. Ever, anybody heard of the Cliffs of Moher? If you've ever watched Harry Potter or Princess Bride, you've seen the Cliffs of Moher because they're in there. And so we thought, let's take a family day and we'll drive three hours to the west coast. We'll take the kids and we'll go see these cliffs. Beautiful, breathtaking, but dangerous. There's about eight deaths a year that happen there at the Cliffs of Moher. And so when our kids were little, we're not just letting them run free. Grab your hand. You're going, Poppy. You're going with me. You're not, I'm not letting you go. You're going to hold my hand, but Dad, I want to... No. Right? There's a sense of it's breathtaking, awe-inspiring. It's beautiful, but dangerous as well. There's this like holy awe and respect that you have. And in a similar sense, we're talking about the fear of the Lord. There's a sense of having a, a right understanding of who God is, a reverence and awe, beautiful, breathtaking. But God himself said, no one can see my face and live. Exodus 33, 20. No one. And Moses said, oh, show me your glory. And what God say, I can't, because if I did, it would kill you. So I'm just going to, you know, you turn around. And awe, we have lost the fear of the Lord amongst us as followers of Jesus. If you've ever watched The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, or read the book, there's a scene between Mr. Beaver and I believe Susan, and Mr. Beaver is describing Aslan, the, the lion, the king, and he says to Susan, he's good, he's the king, but he's wild. He's not a tame lion. And I believe, from my observation, we have tried to tame God down to fit in a way to where he's comfortable, doesn't bring conflict. So I'll just change what God says about this so that it keeps me safe from having conflict with people that might disagree with what God has said. So we try to tame God down to fit our own thinking or our life. Why? Because we value safety. We value being safe. And so there's two categories of fear. The fear of God, a respect, a reverence, an awe of who God is. Parents, teach your children to be in awe of God. 
please. Help them understand the bigness and the beauty and the breathtaking power of God. And that apart from Christ, no one can be in his presence. Fear of God. But then there's a second fear, and this is the fear that Paul is talking about. It's all the other fears that are not the fear of God. It's a second category of fear. I love what Ray Steadman, pastor, author, said. He says, I do not know any statement in Paul's writings that is more practically important to us than that God has not given us a spirit of fear. Because if you are like me, you are oppressed and assaulted by a spirit of fear most of the time. Hello, yeah, that's me. Like we're still in this journey of growing in a relationship with Jesus. So yeah, you're going to struggle with fear. You're going to, but doesn't mean that that's okay. It doesn't mean you should just accept it. Just don't stay there. Just don't stay in that place of fear. So what does Paul mean? Let's unpack, go back to 2 Timothy chapter 1, and let's really break apart what Paul is saying here and looking at the specific words that he uses and their meaning. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, he says this. He said, God has not given us a spirit of fear. And that word not means absolutely not. It's like this emphatic, absolutely no. This fear, it's not, absolutely, it is absolutely not from God. God has not given you that fear. And the spirit, well, what's he talking about? Something that is he referring to the Holy Spirit? Is he referring to just our inner quality? I think it could go either way, but because God has not given you a Holy Spirit that's going to produce fear in you other than a fear of God. But I do think, he, right, we have at times this feeling of fearfulness that creeps up. And he's telling Timothy, that, Timothy, that is not from God. That's absolutely not from the Lord. Well, what's this word fear mean? It means to feel fearful. It's a lack of courage. It literally means to run from battle. If you're running from battle, then where are you going? What are you craving? Safety. I am telling you that fear will expose your idol of feeling safe. We idolize feeling safe. It is an idol. God never promises. The only place God promises safety is within himself. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, but he who runs to the Lord will be kept safe. Proverbs 18.10. And so Paul is telling Timothy, this young pastor who maybe struggled with fear, saying, listen, this fear, it is absolutely not from God. And so here, here's the, the truth that I want us to get a hold of, right? That it's this. It's that any fear that is not the fear of God is a fear not from God. Any fear that is not the fear of God is a fear not from God. Let that sink in, people. So when you are feeling fear, and Jesus said, don't be afraid, what are we doing? Say it. We're sinning. We're being disobedient to the God who made us. We can't get around this. We can't sugarcoat this and lay, put excuses on it. Because when you and I are living a fearful life, the root of our fear is unbelief. Go with me to Genesis chapter 3. 
So if these fears that we're feeling, other than the fear of God, are not from him, then they're not okay. They're not okay. Yes, you're going to feel that, but don't stay there. Don't, don't stay in a life of fearfulness. Go to Genesis chapter 3. So, so what's the source? What, I want us to look at the source and root of fear. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. How do we, how do we cut off the head of fear? <laughs> to do that, we need to know the source and we need to know the root. Now the serpent, Satan, was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And the serpent says to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not die. Here's the very first case of FOMO you're about ready to read right here. Fear of missing out. God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes are going to be open. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her. So the enemy comes along. Satan comes along and says, hey, did God really say that? And then he gets her to fear. Fear what? Man, well, I want to I wanna know good and evil. It's pleasing to my eye. Looks tasty. I don't want to miss out on that. I don't, I don't want to miss out. So she has this fear, I think, this fear of like, if I don't take this, then I'm not going to experience something. And so he gives her this fear of like missing out. Like, yeah, hey, God wants this for you, but he's lying to her. And the source is, is, is Satan himself. And Satan, who is your enemy, who wants to destroy you, will use fear. He will plant fear in your heart and your mind as a tool to get your eyes and your heart and your thinking off the awe of God. And to get you to question if God really loves you or not. And the root of it is unbelief. Did God really say so when you strip back your fear at the core of it, at the root of it, you are not believing. I am not believing something about God, who he is, or what God has promised me. When I'm afraid that our finances, whatever it might be, what am I not believing? That God, I'm not believing that God is my provider. Name the fear, whatever it is. And at the core of it, at the root of it, is an unbelief about God and who he is. And we see this all throughout the Old Testament through, through God's people. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 3 tells us and gives us the example of God's people, the Israelites, and how at the root of them not experiencing the promised land and them going through the wilderness was an unbelieving heart. He says in Hebrews chapter 3, is unbelief. But in Deuteronomy chapter 1, this is where it plays out, how we see this lived out. Look at verse 21 of Deuteronomy 1. This is God speaking. He says, see, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Remember, he promised his people, I'm going to give you a land. It's going to be amazing. Go up and take possession of the land. He says, as the Lord, the, the God of your fathers has told you, then what's he say next? Don't be afraid. 
or be dismayed. Verse 25, it's a good land that the Lord our God is giving us, they said. Verse 26, yet, God says, you would not go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. And you murmured in your tents and said, because the Lord hated us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to give us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Where are we going up? Our brothers have made our hearts melt, saying the people are greater and taller than us. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. And besides, we've seen the sons of the Anakim. It's fear. They're afraid. God has given them a promise, and fear is keeping them from experiencing the promise. Verse 29, then I said to you, do not be in dread or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight for you, just as, just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes, and in the wilderness where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you, as a man carries his son all the way that you went until you came to this place. Yet in spite of this word, here it is, you did not what? Believe the Lord your God. The root of their fear was unbelief. And when you and I live fearful, we are not believing something that God has said or something about God himself. And so if Satan is the source of your fear and unbelief is its root, then what is the way to victory? Satan's defeat. That should get you excited if you're a follower of Jesus. Because of what that says about fear. If Satan is the source of your fear and unbelief is its root, then the way to victory is Satan's defeat and belief in who God is and what God has said and what God promises. Paul tells Timothy, and he tells you and he tells me, listen, any fear that is not the fear of God is a fear not from God. And there is a way to victory. And we're going to unpack that. But we're going to pause for now. We're going to pause for now. Because I think there's some application and implications that you and I need to think about as it relates to what we've heard today from God through Paul to Timothy. Listen, disciples of Jesus, listen to me. If Jesus said, don't be afraid... And Paul tells Timothy that any fear that you and I have that is not the fear of God is a fear not from God, then stop being afraid. Stop living fearful. God has not given that to you. Stop it. Yeah, are you going to feel fearful? Yes. <laughs> I'm not saying you're never going to, all right, you're on this journey of growing in Christ. So, but when you experience that fear, you recognize, you identify it, and you say, wait a second. God is not, that's not coming from the Lord. That's not coming from God. We need to stop being afraid. We need to stop living fearful because that is not from God himself. And if you are, here's what you need to do. Here's what I need to do. You need to repent. So I'm driving around fearful for my son and this job and whatever, and I'm thinking, whoa, that is not from the Lord. And so I'm telling the Lord right while I'm driving, thinking, God, forgive me, because that is not from you. You love him more than I do. You will take care of him. That might not be what you want. And I'm repenting to the Lord while I'm acknowledging my fear. Because I'm, I'm believing that I know what's better than what God has. 
And some of us this morning, we need to repent and ask God to forgive us. And here's the beautiful thing about the gospel. There is grace waiting for you at the door. Grace upon grace upon grace. Mercies are new every morning. Man, you just go, Lord, forgive me. And he's like, I forgive you. My son died to forgive you of that. And not only forgive you of that, but to set you free from that. So you just repent. You ask God to forgive you. And you experience the freedom that comes through the grace of Christ poured out for you through his blood on the cross. You just receive that today. But we need to acknowledge that some of us this morning, we've been living in sin because we've been living fearful. Second implication application is this. So, so if any fear that is not the fear of God is a fear not from God, then we need to stop being afraid. And then second, we need to stop making decisions out of fear. Make your decisions, but you have no business as a follower of Jesus making it out of fear. None. Don't make it out of fear. God is sovereign, and you believe that about him, that he's ordained all our days and he loves you. Sparrows, we read Jesus teaching that in Matthew 10. Knows the, the hairs on your head and number of them. I mean, you can trust him. Make your decisions, but you do not need to make them out of fear. So reject that. Reject making decisions because of fear. Jesus said, John 14, he said, listen, I've overcome the world. Let not your heart be afraid. There's no reason for your heart to be afraid. And then third, and as the band comes, this is where I want to end this morning. The third application or implication is this. So we need to stop being afraid. We need to stop making decisions out of fear. And we need to start believing God. There's a difference between believing in God and believing God. Most of you believe in God, the God of the Scripture. But many of us struggle to believe God. Just believing what he says. We just struggle with that. There's a difference. We need to start believing God. God, who he is, what he says, his promises. So here's a little tool I want to give you this week. All right, I'm going to jump ahead. Just I want to give you some training wheels this week as we seek through the power of the Holy Spirit to repent and reject and replace these feelings of fearfulness with who our God is. It's called IRA. Little tool. Take this little nugget with you. Put it in your pocket. IRA. Identify the fear. When you feel it, when you identify it, and then you replace it with a character, an attribute of God, or a truth of God, or a promise of God, because you're not believing something about God. You replace it, and then you respond in awe, and you act on that awe of who God is, that he loves you, he's given you all his promises. And so this week, as we go in this week, I identify the fear that the enemy's trying to plant in you. And like that tree, he wants to destroy the house of your heart that's what he wants to destroy you. And you say, no. Saying you've been defeated by the blood of the lamb, Jesus Christ on the cross, who is my king and my savior. So identify that this fear is not from you. I'm replacing it with the truth of who God is and that he loves me so much, he's got me. And I'm gonna act in awe of him today and in this moment. And you will have those kinds of conversations all through the day. That's not just one conversation. You know, and you're good for the rest of your, no, that's like, all the time. And so, what's the Spirit of God saying to you this morning? Do you need to repent? Do you need to reject making decisions out of fear? Do you need to replace those fears with the truth of who God is promised? Maybe some of you need to receive Christ because it's impossible to defeat fear and victory, have victory over fear without Christ himself.
Because it takes the power of this Holy Spirit inside you to claim that victory and to get that victory. And so as a band plays, I want to give you an opportunity to just ask the Spirit of God to just show me. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to respond, Holy Spirit? And some of us may need to come and we need, may need to repent. And there's chairs here. I want to encourage you to publicly respond this morning. Maybe some of us need to come. We need to repent, get on our knees, and ask the Lord for his forgiveness and receive that grace that he freely gives us through Christ on the cross and the empty tomb. So what's the Spirit of God saying to you? You take a moment right now where you are and you ask him. Then you respond. God, you have not given us a spirit of fear, but you have given us your spirit, spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. God, forgive us. Forgive me for the fears that I often have and experience. I'm thankful, God, for your son Jesus and that he died on that cross to provide victory, not only over our, our enemy, but over this fear. As we sing this song, church, I want to encourage you to respond today. Maybe you want to get with someone that's here and just say, would you pray with me? I'm really struggling. We acknowledge that fear is real. We just don't have to stay there. So as the Spirit is moving, and you listen to him speaking to your heart this morning, let's respond. If you want to come and pray, kneel, you do that. You want to grab your pastor and pray with them. Grab someone else from your house church and pray with them. You do that this morning. Remembering that there's grace and mercy and peace that is ours in Christ.